0: doctors in the same field have equal years of experience with similar expertise about your condition. You can choose either of them without needing to wait longer for the other. Does it matter if one of the doctors cares a bit more about you as a person? The answer might surprise you. After this episode, you'll know how much emotional intelligence your physicians have on top of their medical intelligence. Your well-being should be about thriving instead of surviving. It's about time to empower yourself and to navigate our healthcare system with ease my name is rishi and this is the show friendly neighborhood patient It's easier to judge a doctor's abilities over a long period of time. If an orthopedic surgeon has done a few thousand knee replacements, or if a dermatologist has been seeing melanoma patients for over 30 years, you can be reasonably confident that such professionals are solid at their job. This skill isn't obvious during a random moment in the clinic, though. In the exam room, however, you can see a few other things. The doctor looks into your eyes without typing away on a laptop at the same time. The doctor gives bad news about a diagnosis and doesn't give a very soft landing for it. The doctor listens to your story without interrupting. You might get shamed for being unhealthy. The doctor may have you become active in handling your medical care. There are thousands more interactions showing if your doctor cares about treating a disease as well as treating you, the patient. Immediate behavior gives away much of the doctor's emotional intelligence that a years-long body of work on paper can't explain. So what is emotional intelligence, or EI for short? It depends on who you ask, but in the realm of medicine, EI matters for providers acting based on controlling their emotions, having empathy for a patient when needed, and being aware of their responsibilities as well as, of course, their medical acumen. Coaching in sports is a simple but comparable example. Coaches have to adjust their approach based on their players and game plan. How coaches use players and execute a strategy is skill-based, however, interactions with the players have to vary. Some players need to be yelled at to make progress, while others are better just left alone. In the exam room, certain patients want to participate in their care more. Some patients just want to be in and out of the clinic to follow doctor's instructions without a second thought. Some patients like paternalistic doctors, and others want an equalized discussion. Physicians noticing these subtle preferences personalize their care for their patients to a new level. Bedside manner is not a new concept in medicine. Johns Hopkins' first medical chief, Dr. William Osler, cared about physicians managing their behavior as well as treating both disease and patients. Dr. Osler's The Principles and Practice of Medicine, which brings up some of these subjects, was published in 1892. Dr. Osler did not forget about science, though. The evidence-based medicine we have today is due to his belief that medicine needed a rational and consistent scientific foundation. These, at the time, revolutionary ideas, led to his famous quip that the practice of medicine is an art based on science. Doctors are supposed to be patient-focused and not just locked into treating a condition. No surprise there. That being said, there's a massive difference between a clinic saying it's patient-centered and being patient-focused in reality. There are few moments, among many, revealing much about the doctor's character and attention for you. As a patient, you can ask yourself a few questions to help estimate a doctor's emotional intelligence. Are providers being polite to you but not with their staff? If you are due for a hard diagnosis, does the doctor callously lay down the bad news? Or does the doctor ease into the next phase of your care with grace? If physicians make a mistake, what do they do next? Or is there some other room for collaboration? There's another important question besides asking if the doctor has a competent treatment plan in mind. Are you being heard? You can only find these answers during and after your time at the clinic. An online search may spell out a doctor's track record, but there's no scouting report for situational awareness. Emotions can be imprecise, but that did not stop a few Indian researchers from conducting a 2018 study in Chennai to measure emotional intelligence in medical students. A sample of those medical students addressed prompts based on socio-demographic backgrounds, private versus government education, a special EI self-assessment test, and hypothetical situations a doctor may encounter at the clinic. The researchers built their own EI scale ranging from 0 to 160, with 160 implying that a doctor is the saint of empathy and emotional control. The medical student's average grade was actually 107. Here's the problem. It's hard to screen prospective doctors and students for emotional intelligence because the participants being tested will report themselves as being self-aware and in command of their behavior there is not a lot of incentive for them to say that they're not in control of themselves beyond that fact medical exam scores weren't compared with each student's ei result to put the results in context empathy can never make up for bad medicine. If you're getting surgery or a complicated procedure, the doctor's skill with the scalpel and stitches matters way more than any kind of social awareness of your pain. It's better to have a skilled but mean surgeon rather than a kind but worse surgeon. Even for regular office visits, the doctor's treatment and your response to that treatment will always be the main determinant of a successful medical relationship. This Indian study's methods were flawed. However, the results showed, if not anecdotally, the most common positive and negative payoffs of solid emotional intelligence by the physician. I added a screenshot of this study's useful framework on my Substack post, which you'll find at rishinakala.substack.com. Emotional intelligence still matters to patients regardless of how ambiguous it may be. Bedside manners are necessary for high-level care, but seasoning is no replacement for a dish. Good seasoning improves a meal, but not having a main course, meaning your doctor's lack of actual expertise, means you stay hungry or unwell. Don't wait for a provider to realize that they need to treat you as well as your disease. Patients can prompt the doctor to care a little bit more about them. If the physician didn't introduce themselves to you, ask their name and more about their overall role in practice while you're getting settled in. Request the doctor to listen for a moment without typing on a laptop at the same time. Some patients need tough love and paternalistic advice, but it doesn't hurt to ask for being a larger participant in your care. Make sure your expectations of care and the doctor's expectations of treatment line up well. Don't hesitate to ask questions like you would for any typical visit, but do so to have your doctor explain a little bit of why they are choosing a particular treatment or assessment for you. All of these prompts help your doctor adjust their care to your preferences. Bedside manners in medicine are usually figurative, but sometimes a doctor, indeed, sits next to your bed. Physicians apply their knowledge and emotional intelligence anywhere, but their assistance changes if you need medical care for one day versus one week. Whether you're at the clinic for a few minutes or staying at the hospital for a few days, the next pod will tell you exactly what it means to be an inpatient and outpatient. Subscribe and stay tuned to Friendly Neighborhood Patient for all you need to know about partnerships in medicine. I'll catch you the next episode.